0: I think for someone coming in, there's just so much opportunity now and don't try to do everything. Like when you first come in, I think it's become very good at one specific thing.
1: Welcome to Props and Hops, a Betting and Beer Podcast powered by Dimers.com. I'm your host Matt Landis and Betbash Week is here. For the unacquainted, Betbash is a gambling meetup event organized by pro better Spanky, and after a successful first foray last summer in Jersey City, Betbash 2 is coming to Las Vegas April 1st through the 4th. So as Friday's kickoff approaches, this episode is the first of a 10-part daily BetBash bonus interview series I'm planning to release, and I'm looking to bring on guests including pro bettors, bookmakers, and content creators whom BetBash attendees can look forward to meeting and whose knowledge you can benefit from even if you're unable to make it. First up, I think we're all in for a treat, pro bettor and college basketball expert Mike Craig coming on for this episode. And with the final four matchups now set, I figured this was the ideal time to get an early read on Villanova Kansas and North Carolina Duke from one of the smartest minds in the space. And putting the hops and props and hops, Mike also brings a sharp palate to the table to pair with his sharp betting approach. We also use this conversation as an opportunity to hear a pro-betters game plan to maximize the value of attending Bet Bash, along with his top advice for up-and-coming bettors. One housekeeping note before we cut to the conversation, if you live in an area where wagering is legal and want to kill two birds with one stone, go ahead and sign up for a sportsbook via any of the links at the bottom of the Props and Hops landing page on dimers.com. That way you can get down on some edges for the final four and support this show along the way, you can find a link to that landing page in these show notes. And now, enjoy the opening conversation of the Bet Bash 2 bonus series, with ProBetter, Mike Craig. Mike Craig, from the betting to the beer, the ideal guest for Props and Hops,
0: welcome aboard. Thanks for having me on, I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, and I know you're quite well-known into space as a successful pro better, but for the unacquainted or for those who could perhaps use just a bit of a refresher, could we kick things off with just a quick elevator pitch on your background?
0: Uh, yes, yeah, so I graduated college in 2001. I had always kind of been into betting, not on a serious level, of course, but uh, always real into sports. I, I have a math degree, uh, math and engineering degree, so I, I, it's sort of... I was never really all that good at sports, but, uh, I always loved sports and with the math skills that I have relatively naturally and, um, my love for sports, I just kind of, it just kind of came natural and you know, it's not like I was successful right away, but I started out, you know, following Dr. Bob and services and doing things like that. A lot of the bonus hunting, uh, back in the day, uh, Early two thousands, when overseas you could you could get you could make a lot of money, just depositing, rolling money over, um, and, and taking advantage of bonuses and referrals and and that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I guess I probably, you know, I, I probably built things up to a decent sized bankroll by like two thousand six or seven, and then the, and then some regulations came down where it, it made it there was a, there was a site called NetTeller. It was kind of like PayPal, uh, for people who don't know. Um, that's how you transfer all your money back and forth overseas. So the government shut that down. A lot of money was frozen up. I it's, that's pretty well known in the poker community. A lot of people had money stuck in there for a long time. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I kind of took a break for a couple of years and used the money I had made to that point to start a couple other businesses. Um, then i got back into it a couple of years later i you know i i started looking at ken palm a lot and I, I always did a lot with college sports so started looking into ken palm and making some modifications to that making good numbers posting on forums Uh ended up getting um a job offer to work with raz right angle sports and Edwards. so i did that for a few years uh Worked at Sports Insights for a few years and I've kind of been doing my own thing for a while now. I, I work with a partner and we actually did just bring another guy onto our team. So work with a couple other guys right now. And uh yeah, mostly betting on I'm not as big a better as as a lot of these guys you hear about. Then I'm I'm doing more of the smaller market stuff. So I'm more the biggest market I do is college football. And I do more with FCS now than I do with FBS. So that's a pretty small market, but uh College hoops, college football—I originate. Um, you know, some props, have half times, quarters, things like that. Um, WNBA, we do MLS, uh, bet on golf, NASCAR, things like that. So, yeah, a little bit of everything, and uh, yeah, that's that's about it.
1: There's a lot that we could unpack there. I think some of it best served for when we're together in Vegas, perhaps over a beer or two but I I think we can follow up on one thing you touched on the college basketball market at this time of year being a college basketball specialist. I gather that you don't do a ton when it comes to the tournament. You mentioned looking to attack smaller markets where there might be a lot less efficiency, but as we record this Sunday, March 27th in the evening final four matchups having just been solidified wondering if you might have any initial thoughts on Villanova against Kansas. It's looking like the line currently a consensus of, Kansas minus four total one thirty three or the Blue Bloods North Carolina and Duke Duke laying four and a half total of one fifty one any first thoughts on those two matchups?
0: Um, so so the Duke Carolina game, we'll start there. Um, I I, I paid somebody to to do a play by play model, so um, I, I just implemented it this year for the first time, so um. I did do projections on these games. I, I saw the total was was 150. I, it was that's what it was at FanDuel, at least. That's the only place I checked here uh, before I got on. But I actually made it a a slight bit higher than that. But that model's kind of been a little high on Duke all year long in terms of totals. So so 150 seems seems about right to me. And I wouldn't be surprised if wouldn't be surprised if that one goes down just because I think we're on 10 straight games of unders at this point. Um so that one surprised me in terms of side. I don't really do much with sides but but I did have i that's about right where I had the number there as well uh the Villanova game, I think you know you have the injury to to more on Villanova, so I actually made it Kansas by one and a half um but then taking into account that injury i think I think it's pretty easy to justify the four Villanovas got got very little depth uh they really only play six guys, and it's probably gonna turn into five in this game so I think Nova will try to really slow that game down. Um, I, I, but they opened it. I, I think 133 is is a pretty solid number for that. I would probably lean under there. I would probably lean over in the Carolina game, but I guess I guess if you want to hold me to a pick, my pick would be first half. If I had to make one pick in these two games, I would I would bet the Carolina Duke first half over. 71-ish if the line doesn't change. From now, but like I said, it might go down. So I think, I think you might see 70, 70, 70 and a half, maybe by the time it tips. Good to know. And I, I will just hope
1: that between your pick and the games themselves, hopefully some betting as well as some entertainment value coming our way in the final four. Cause if I'm being honest, it felt like there was nothing elite about the elite eight this past weekend. I mean, half the teams failed to surpass 50 points with uh-huh. that in mind. What are your thoughts on this year's tournament so far?
0: We talked before we, we went live here, but uh, I do more with the NIT basketball classics, CIT, uh, all the minor tournaments, and, and I in and the women's tournament, even. I actually actually I have South Carolina right now laying 13, which looks like it will be a winner unless something crazy happens because they're up by 30. But uh, that's I have more on South Carolina than I had on any tournament game this year, so um. Yeah, I, the tournament though. So, in ter- I have not enjoyed this tournament from a gambling perspective because I've enjoyed all the other ones. But uh, this one, I had. So I had five future bets this year. I had uh, preseason. I bet Tennessee. I had Tennessee at sixty to one, um, which ended up being a great number. I, I had Texas at like eighteen to one. That ended up not being a great bet. And then in January, I bet Kentucky, and I had twenty-two to one. I, I probably averaged. I, I hit it down to about, hit it down to about 18. So um, I probably averaged about 20, maybe 20 or 21 to one on that. And then I had some Arizona, about an average of 18 to one. And then I had Houston at an average about 40, probably 42 to one, something like that. So I feel like I had great future bets and I Mm -hmm. couldn't get any of those teams to the final four, despite having, uh some pretty high seeds. So so that was bad. And then I and then I was in a couple Calcutta polls and I did not do well in those either. So I uh, kind of put a damper on the success I had in the other tournaments. But uh yeah, this hasn't been my this hasn't been my favorite main tournament. And the, the games in general, just as a fan, have been to me relatively disinteresting. Um it just doesn't seem like there's been many buzzer beaters or or real dramatic games here uh, to this point. So yeah, so yeah, it's it's kind of. I think it's. I mean, for me, it's it's always going to be about the betting. So it's been a disappointing tournament, but uh, I haven't really bet all that much. Uh, just between the Calcutta and none of the futures, really. I was hoping to be at Bet Bash and you know have a chance to root, root one of those futures in, but uh, didn't work out. So it is what it
1: is. I'm with you. I mean, Stadium Swim is going to be really fun on Saturday for the Final Four watch party. But you and I, uh, maybe plenty of others, not as interested in some of the games as we thought we might be, uh, you know, after the first couple rounds. To a much lesser extent, I feel you on the deflation in recent rounds. I had, between a handful of brackets, some exposure on, you know, a lot of the heavyweights, Gonzaga, Arizona, Kentucky, Kentucky. And when the three odds-on betting favorites all failed to advance past the Sweet 16, that pretty much dashed all of my hopes in any pools. So even from a bracket standpoint, um, not really any interest riding on it anymore. Thankfully, we'll be in good company at Stadium Swim. It'll be an open bar. So I still think plenty to take advantage of. Enjoy the scene when we do watch the Final Four together. but. I guess beyond that, thinking about Bet Bash more broadly, that, again, that Saturday final four watch party at Stadium Swim, one of the highlights I think a lot of people are looking forward to, but aside from that, is there anything else in terms of the sessions that are on the agenda that have your attention, anything you're most looking forward to from the three or four days that we'll all be out there together?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I, uh, and there's a lot of open bars and just bar meetups, so, you know, obviously nobody really knows what's going to happen at those, but uh, the panel on the art of art of sports betting with um, this is at noon on Sunday. So it's Gil Alexander from Beeson Live Numbers Game. He's hosting it, and I've I've known Gil a lot. A lot of people don't realize, or I, I think people don't realize, like before there was Bet Bash, a lot of us used to go to to the MIT Sloan Conference in Boston, um, and that kind of became like the 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 one time a year we'd all see each other in terms of gamblers so I think I started going to that in 2010 or 11 but uh I met Gil back then so so I'm friends with Gil um Zach White who name doesn't get out there a lot and he's always kind of you know been pretty quiet about his success and what he does I'm, I'm glad to see him get some recognition uh again another person that My partner and i have known for my my main partner and i have known for geez it's probably going on close to 15 years now so i'm glad to see him get some recognition and then ilahu foistel um he used to be justin seven a moderator back at sbr and his old screen name was daringly he's he's actually the first professional better that ever recognized my work so so i know him a little bit too he's he's always fun to drink beers with uh when we go to mit sloan again so and then you have Spanky on the panel, so so I just think I, I just like to see guys like that get recognition, and uh, I, I, I I'm just really interested to hear that panel more more so. Just I, I like seeing all those guys up there. They're guys that maybe a lot of people don't know, especially a lot of the younger guys, but uh, they they all know their stuff. So uh, the other one that I that I probably I, I sort of think I won't get to, but I I would if I can, I will, I I sort of have a feeling. So, so all those expert panels or whatever they're on Sunday from 9am to I think two o'clock PM. But, uh, the other one would be the 9am Sunday, which is the ethics of sports betting and Chris Bruno's on that. And, um, if I had to listen to one gambling podcast over and over and over again, it would be Chris Bruno on Spanky on be better betters. So, uh, I have a feeling though that Saturday is going to be the wild night where things get out of control and drinking gets out of control. So I, we got stadium swim and I mean the meetups for at bars start at like one, and then stadium swims and open bar starting at five. I just have a feeling it's going to be a very late night for a lot of people, and I, I, I hope I'm in bed by two. But I, and then I can probably make it to that. But I. Sort of have a feeling that's not going to happen. So yeah, those two panels. I just I could listen to Chris Bruno and tell stories all day. So um, yeah, those are the two things, and everything else pretty much just bars. So yeah, I, I, those are the two that I'm that I'd like to see. All right, I'll mark it down to over under two a.m.
1: Mike Craig's bedtime on Saturday evening slash Sunday morning. I guess if we're getting technical about it. <laughs> and I, I like your point. You know, there's a lot going on. A lot of opportunities to grab drinks and meet people. And, you know, this is a podcast with hops in the name, love a good beer, looking forward to a lot of those kinds of experiences here. But I think it's important to try to pace things out as much as possible throughout this event, you know, try to to borrow a term from David Mullins, you know, eat clean, uh, you know, stay hydrated. It's going to be fun, but it's going to be a bit of a marathon for those who still want to be in good shape come the title game on Monday evening when this whole thing wraps up. So, you know, just trying not to go too gung ho too early. It's going to be really exciting. Um, but yeah if if nothing else, a panel as good as the ethics of sports betting nine am on Sunday might be some good motivation to be a little bit more responsible than maybe we'd typically be on a Saturday night in Vegas and Mike beyond the bash official events going on with this trip to Vegas, is there anything you know not part of the sanctioned bet bash agenda that you're also hoping to get out of the experience
0: um I mean I just catching up with people. I know uh I know I have a dinner planned with well I didn't plan it, but I, I didn't plan anything, but uh <laughs> I you know I'm going to a dinner that I'm going to a dinner with that thing that he planned. So uh I'm looking forward to that. And I, I know I haven't seen I mentioned I I I know Gil and we used to hang out back in back in Boston when we used to go there every year. So I did text him and I'm hoping to get together mm-hmm. with him. I haven't seen him for many years. So uh yeah, just, just catching up with catching up with old friends and I assume, you know, other, other than that, I'm sure things will pop up, but I'm not necessarily making any plans or or trying to go out of my way because we'll all see each other and I'm sure good times will follow. So.
1: Yeah. To your point, it seems like there's enough plan for the event itself and there's and being flexible to just go with the flow as things come up in real time while we're out there. And I think there are some people who will be out there for the first time. I know you and I met, at the first bet bash last summer was wondering if you might have any takeaways from bet bash 1 and how that might be informing your approach to bet bash 2 perhaps any tips for some first timers in Vegas this coming weekend
0: so uh, yeah i gu- i guess you mentioned pacing yourself uh, in terms of alcohol and that's it's not one of my strong suits it's it's probably a pretty big weakness um uh, not much of a pace guy there but uh no i think uh, takeaways i i think for someone like myself, I, I would more rely on introductions to, to meet new people. I think, I think one of the nice things about this is that um, they have like that speed networking thing and there's, there's a lot of these meetups and and you know I think I think, it's, I think it's, in terms of the structure, it's probably going to be easy, easier for people who don't know anyone. Uh, to maybe to maybe make some connections and, and things like that. So so I like the structure. I'm not a huge structure guy, but I do like the fact that you know, if I was 22 and I didn't know anybody, I would have a very tough time being able to to introduce myself and, and things like that. So I think that's I think that's a good thing. Um, I felt I I also felt like the first back bash. I feel like it was more of catching up with people you already knew rather than than making new connections, which is fine too. But uh, now you have a three-day window to do it, rather than a three-hour window or a four-hour window, whatever the first bet bash was. Uh, so I think I think that's uh, I think that's a good thing for people who are coming out there and don't really know many people. Um, so I, I guess in terms of just approach for for someone going in, just you know, be yourself and be yourself. Don't be afraid to approach people and. You know, just uh, that's about it. That's all you can do. And I think I think most people in this business, at least the ones that I know and I'm friends with, people are very receptive and nobody's nobody's going to play like they're too good for you or anything. So so I think just just be confident and and approach people if you want to meet them and good things will probably come of it.
1: That's a nice way to sum up what people can do with the in real life experience at that bash. I think a lot of people craving that kind of in-person interaction after what the past couple of years have thrown at us and something that you've done during this time in the virtual realm. When we think about gambling Twitter, I know a few months ago you started tweeting again after a hiatus of what more than a decade at MJC 257 for people who want to check out what you've been up to there and thinking of what gambling Twitter can be, how do you try to focus on using it to your advantage without getting too sucked in and going down the rabbit hole?
0: I'm totally the wrong person to ask on how to use Twitter to your advantage. Um, I, 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 I know that it's, I know that it's great for some of the younger guys um, or guys that are just coming in to try to build a following post picks. And as a lot of them end up selling picks and, and things like that, um, It's a, it's a, in terms of, I got, to me, the danger of it is for someone coming in is everybody portrays themselves as an expert and very few people actually are. Um, So, you know, for people on gambling Twitter, I would, I would more so recommend someone coming in to, to listen to podcasts you know, listen to Spanky, listen to Circles Off, listen listen to your show, listen to Ed Feng's show, listen to Rufus and Jeff Ma's show. And just, just that's where those are all real professional betters, and the people they're having on are respected people. Um, so, so I think, you know, you mentioned going on a rabbit hole on Twitter. I I'm, I'm never interested in arguing over Twitter. I've never argued over Twitter. Um, I don't plan on it. I probably should tweet more. I I I just don't. I don't have a goal. I don't know what I'm. I don't. I don't know what I'm attempting to do. Like I, I've never really tried to market myself, and you know, maybe I maybe I should. I guess it depends on what I do moving forward. But um, I, I probably should tweet things a little more often. And I, you know, I I don't know if there's a benefit to me having a lot of followers. I doesn't feel like there is right now, but maybe someday it will be good to have that. And for whatever reason, whether it's, I don't don't know, maybe I want to sell pics someday or maybe I, want to start podcasting I don't know but uh I probably should be more engaged in it just to keep my name out there and it's it's just such a different thing for me I, and that's I think a lot what a lot of the younger guys don't realize is like when you when I became successful at this which I would I would say 2012ish was probably the year where um I I, I don't know if I'd say I broke through but the the point where the money was enough to to call yourself successful from on a financial basis um and you didn't talk about stuff and now like everybody everybody wants to post every winner and 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 there's nothing wrong with that you're just promoting yourself i I get that Um, but it's so different it's so weird it's still weird to me to this day to to see how open people are and and uh when you literally i mean you literally never said a word about what you did Uh, back from when I started in like 2009 to like, uh, I don't know. So I guess it was legal four or five years ago. So yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a confusing thing for me and I haven't, (laughs) I don't know if confusing is the right word, but it's a foreign thing to me, I guess, so to speak somewhat. Um, And, but I would, I would, and I should probably get more active with, with, with tweeting. So uh, but I, I don't know if that answered your question or not. I kind of just went on a rant or a tangent, but uh, um, I, I think, I just think in terms of making connections, if you're younger, um, you know, you can reach out to anybody and, and you, you're likely going to get a response, I think. So, so I think people can use that as they're coming up to their advantage just to make connections and, and, and promote themselves. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of guys out there who've only been doing this a year and, you know, they've got they've got very large followings and and, and good for them. they have been able to start pick services or 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 whatever, and it's strictly due to Twitter. So yeah, I think it, it can be very advantageous for people like that.
1: I think two things that you touched on in that answer could help to potentially answer this next question I've got in mind for you as well. You mentioned one, never having gotten in an argument on Twitter. And two, I think a sense of humility, you know, not just getting out there and beating your chest when everything's going well, but I think that people can sense a lot of authenticity to the answer that you just gave And, and it's, you know, really genuine. So to that, and I'm wondering if that might relate to this next question, when it comes to, I think of, you know, the term, what your superpower might be, what you think you do best that sets you apart and makes you a successful pro better, kind of like the, the sharpest tool in your toolbox.
0: I, I, yeah, you sent me this question ahead of time, and I I don't think I have any superpower. I think I think I have a good combination of skill sets. Um, being able to to I, I I'm I'm good at math naturally. Um, uh, you know, my time at Raz, I learned a lot about subjectivity and handicap in college basketball. So. Um, and, and just through the years I've gained a lot of experience and I think I have a pretty good demeanor in terms of, I hate losing, don't get me wrong, but I, I mean, it happens and it's part of it, especially when, and it doesn't get touched on a lot, but I originate a lot of the stuff that we bet and you have, you have got, when you have a guy that just moves money for whatever, 10 different groups or chase a steam like there's not as much variance as when you're handicapping again handicapping games on your own like you go through I, January for two months of January is horrible i couldn't like i couldn't win a bet um, i actually um i i i never i rarely ever take like a couple of days off and in january i was like i'm just going to take like 3 days off and and it helped i it was towards the end of january and then I, I started back in in February. I had a really good February and March. but uh, yeah I, I think I, I don't know there's no superpower. I, I hate losing, but uh, the combination of all the skill sets um, I, I think that's what it is. I think I think from a originating perspective too, I've been able to change the way I do things through the years I've I've went from being almost all math to I don't want to say almost all subjectivity lately, but uh, there's more of that into it. And there's certain things I do that are all math and and that's the easy stuff because you just, just, there's just stuff that's wrong. But uh, I think I've been able to find new things through the years as other things go away. Um, If, if I had any superpower, quote unquote, I, I think changing the way I do things and adapting It would probably be, I guess, what I think, what I think I've done best. And I, I, and I still try to learn. I don't, I don't think I know everything. And I, I do like to listen to other people and, and um, yeah, I just think you can always learn. You can always get better. So, so yeah, that's, that's probably it.
1: As you walk through that, I think of, I, I know you specialize in like college basketball and college football, among other sports, but a major market that neither of us, I, to my understanding, does too much in would be Major League Baseball. But I've heard the saying that if a starting pitcher has four average pitches, you know, that has the makings of a very good starting pitcher. You don't have to do any one thing the best in the world to be among the best in the world. So when you talk about, The math, the subjectivity, having the right demeanor to write out the highs and lows, you know, building out a good network of people uh, to rely on as you have a bit of a team to surround yourself with, a through line being evolving over time and all this. I like that it's not necessarily focusing on just being the best at any one thing. Um, But again, if you can do a lot of things somewhat well without any major weaknesses, then that can put you in a spot, you know, much better over the long haul than somebody who might be great in some areas and really have some glaring weaknesses
0: elsewhere. Yeah. And I think, you know, I I think, I think it's good to specialize in certain sports too. Um, I think each, you know, whenever, I think the biggest red flag, you know, if someone like goes out and buys a service, if somebody has a service in like NBA, NHL, college football, and the NFL, they're all going on at the same time. There's no way that that person can be winning at all this. So, so you know that's that's a little opposite of what we just talked about, but uh, I think it. I think it's. I think it's taking qualities and mixing them together and doing what's best for you. Eh? There's so many different ways to do things, and not not everybody does things same. I mean, chasing steam now, like it, it kind of went. I, I, I want to say it went away, but uh, with all the new apps and things now, like you can just sit around and chase steam and win money all day. I don't know how long your accounts are going to last, but that's certainly. Certainly as doable as it's ever been right right now.
1: So to that, and you just touched a bit, chasing steam could be, you know, a, a way that some people attack the notion of shopping lines. You've talked about having a good sense for the math, also picking up on the subjectivity over the years, and then you know, the network you have, the demeanor that you have. Some of these attributes probably more relatable than others to up-and-coming betters. But if I think about an up-and-coming better listening to this conversation what would you say is the most important skill for somebody in that position to focus on uh, as
0: they grow in their journey as a better? I think it's a tough question because I think, I think everybody has their own strengths and you have to play to your own strengths. So I think, I think first and foremost, you have to be dedicated to it. It's it's not something that you pick up and you're an expert at immediately. So Again, I th- I think in terms of dedication. When I say dedication, I don't mean twenty four seven, but I mean time beyond. You, you, I mean you probably have probably have a job. Uh, you know you got you got to put you got to put time into this, and that, time can be listening to podcasts. Time can be looking at box scores. I I don't know. You you know for a, for a subjective person, maybe it's listening to podcasts. For a numerical person, maybe it's just looking at box scores, but I think, you know, I think, I think for someone coming in, there's just so much opportunity now. And it's a go back to what I just said about like, don't try to do everything. Like when you first come in, I think it's, I think it's become very good at one specific thing. And there's so many things you can like props. There's so many guys doing props now and, and seemingly doing at least pretty well. Um, on the surface, uh, like NBA props, um, NFL props. Uh, there's a lot of guys on Twitter doing well at that. Um, you know, in college basketball, you don't have to do all 346 teams. Do, if you know the Colonial, do, know those 10 or 12 or whatever, however many are in that conference now, know those teams inside and out and focus on that. Or, um, yeah, I, college football, you know, focus on three conference, three smaller conferences focus on FCS. I don't know, but, uh, get really good at one thing. Um, play to your strengths. I mean, if you're, if you're not good at math, then, then use, I I always say like if you're a subjective handicapper, you still, you still need a starting point. So I, I think you have to have some sort of number you're working from. Um, so, Use Sagarin. I mean, use something. You you have some starting point, um, but you don't have to necessarily come up with that on your own. If you're not good at math, like. But I I also think you can't say the Lakers are good or not the Lakers. Let's just say let's say LeBron's out against Lakers. How how do you know? if you say LeBron's worth six points or eight point, whatever you want to say, I don't know what he's worth. Now. I don't do NBA, but say he's worth four points now or five points. If you don't know what the line should have been with him in the game, then how, how do you know, how do you know what the line should be without him? Like it's gotta be a basis and, and, uh, yeah. So, so play your strengths and, and, uh, put the time in. And there's so much information out there now compared to what there used to be. Um, like i said podcasts um art or blogs things online um there's just more information than ever i mean back back when back when i started it was like two or three books that probably weren't even that well i mean actually i do not say it. they were they were very good for the time but there's there's just so much information out there now put the time in and absorb as much of it as you can
1: as you speak to all the information that's out there these days, I'm reminded of something that can weave in the other pillar of this podcast, the hops, because just like the amount of information can be daunting for up and coming betters, it's probably never been a better time to be a fan of a good craft beer, but the amount of options are just endless and that can be really overwhelming so kind of killing two birds, you're weaving in the hops as well as the Malinsky Minute as a nod to the late great David Malinsky. Not just a legendary sports better, but also somebody who is passionate about finding some good craft beers to enjoy with his meals. Um, I know that in your position, uh, when I think about the hops, your cellar is a sight to behold. So I'd love it if you could speak to some of your favorite styles and perhaps among so many options, if there are any specific bottles that you most look forward to opening when the time is right.
0: Um, so I mean, I, in terms of the cellar, I, I just accumulated beers through the years and and I put some shelving units or, or I guess wall shelves into the one bigger closet I have. So I got, I've got like 300 beers in there. Um, but one, one side's like pretty much sours and the other side's pretty much stouts. Um, so I, I guess, I guess favorite styles. I mean, I don't have any IPAs in there cause those are of course meant to be drank fresh. And I, you know, the hazy IPAs, I feel like everybody makes good hazy IPAs. Now I, I, there's certainly some that are better, better than others, but, uh, I used to be more of an IPA guy. Um, I ha I haven't been drinking as much beer lately. I've been more doing liquor, which I don't know if that's good for me or not. But, uh, in terms of, in terms of what I sell are uh, sours and stouts, uh, hold or or improve their flavors a lot uh when when you age them so and i'm not i'm not in this to age anything um but i'd say barrel aged stouts i like stouts with you know like the higher alcohol ones like 12 13 14 15 percent uh for whatever reason i i like when there's cinnamon in them I, i love like coffee cinnamon bee bomb by fremont i love rusty nail by fremont uh I'm a fan of the cycle stouts. That's a brewery in Florida. Um, Those are probably my favorite stouts. And then in terms of sours, I, I don't like the slushy sours. I don't, I don't like the stuff with lactose. I I can't, it's, I actually dislike it pretty much. Um, So I kind of like the, I would say stone fruit sours like peach or apricot or that's probably my favorite type of sour. I do like cherry sours as well. Um, uh you know casey brewing out of colorado that's a good one for sours uh not not really easy to get uh but that's that would probably be my that'd probably be my favorite sour brewery i'd say uh, at least of what i've had um and in terms of i mentioned ipas i guess and truly I, I really like trillium's ipas there's a, there's a place in pittsburgh called dancing gnome they've got really good stuff um there's like I said, there's so many good IPAs. It feels like now uh, you really, really can't go wrong with anything. I shouldn't say that, but, but uh, it's tough to go wrong. There, Like you said, there's so many choices and, and it's all, it's all pretty good. So.
1: When you mentioned Casey, that really struck a chord. I had a flashback to a few years ago, there is an IPA powerhouse uh, out in my neck of the woods uh, called monkish brewing company. And They held, I believe this would have been their seventh anniversary party. And they just had breweries they're friends with from all over the country, kind of built out tents in their parking lot, its own mini beer festival. And Casey was just kind of off in the corners. Everybody's chasing these other, I guess, bigger name, more hype beers. And Casey was doing bottle pours of some of the best sours I've ever had. I remember like probably the last half hour of that festival, my friend and I were just camped out at the Casey booth you know, just kind of getting refills with no line uh, of some bottle pours of some of the most amazing stuff we'd ever had. So I hear you on Casey being one of the best sour producers in the country. And when it comes to stouts, you mentioned liking cinnamon or even the uh, what cycle stouts that are made down in Florida. Um, those I believe tend to be on the sweeter side with some of the adjuncts they use. And I'm curious as to whether you like coffee or not because a lot of stout drinkers in the traditional sense really like coffee and I've never had a cup of coffee I love the smell of it but Mm -hmm. the roastiness doesn't do it for me and I've come around on stouts over the years because I don't want anything you know that there's the term pastry stouts I don't want anything that really tastes too much like candy kind of the the stout version of some of those slushy sours you'd mentioned I I want it to taste more like beer than like candy but if there's a little bit, I've had some good stuff with like coconut or hazelnut added in and it can just cut through some of that roastiness a little bit. That really works. So when you mentioned cinnamon or liking almost anything from Cycle, I've got to ask if you're uh, much of a coffee drinker when you're not going
0: to beer. I'm, I, I'm not a huge coffee drinker. I, I, I did have a cup today, but I usually don't drink coffee. But I do like coffee and beer a lot. The first craft beer I ever had actually was Breakfast Stout by Founders. So um, And I like that right away. Uh, that's uh, probably not even considered a craft beer anymore uh by today's standards. But yeah, that's that's kind of the, the beer that's or the beer that started me into craft beers. I had it out when I was out in Philly at one point. Um but yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not as into the sweet stuff either. The pastry stouts, I'm not a fan of. Um like coconut gets a little too sweet for me, and hazelnut uh, hazelnut I'm not a fan of, just in general. So I prefer like coffee cinnamon together, like coffee cinnamon bee bomb fremont. Uh, I think it's like 14.5%. That's one of my favorites. Uh, And that's what Rusty Nail is, too. There's like cinnamon and licorice, and there's all kinds of stuff in that, but another high one. But, yeah, coffee, cinnamon, that's that's my favorite. So um, coconut, I know a lot of people like coconut, but it does tend to get – and, again, I don't mind drinking a glass of it or eight ounces or whatever, but I don't want to drink a 23-ounce bomber either.
1: Yeah, it can be tricky. Some of the adjuncts uh, going to South these days, it can be one of the best things you've ever had, or it can be one of the worst. It, you know, some of what these brewers are doing just requires a lot of art. I kind of think of Bet Bash having panels on the art of sports betting, and, and then there's a seminar for the science of sports betting. Um, similarly with brewing, you think, oh, you know, you can find the recipe for Pliny the Elder. Russian River will share it widely, or, or two breweries can make, you know, an imperial stout with the same adjuncts and it can come out totally differently. There's a big art to this. So um, yeah, definitely tasting through it delicately uh, and then really declaring your lane from there before you dig in too much further can be a good way to go for people new to craft beer. Kind of like what you said for people who are new to the sports betting side of things.
0: Yeah. I, I, I wish most of my engineering degrees in chemical engineering, I wish I would have started brewing beer like 15 years ago, but at this point in my life, I, there's no way I have time to, to start now. And I I probably could, I guess, if I really wanted to, but I, it's just not, I'd rather just buy good beer than have to worry about making it at this point. But yeah, it's something I wish, I wish back 15 years ago, I would have, I would have tried my hand at, and I think I would have yeah. probably been all right at it.
1: Yeah. I will uh, echo, you know, pretty much word for word, what you just said. I, I don't mind just being, especially in Southern California, it's just an embarrassment of riches. So It'd be nice to know how to make it but at the same time it's so easily accessible to get stuff that's probably better than what i ever would have known how to make anyway so i will gladly take that trade off and and you know you mentioned you kind of got to pick your spots with all the bases you're covering as a better other walks of life i know you've got children and just being you know more involved with your family um we can't do all things just like again you said with betters early on in this it can be overwhelming with how much information there is all the different sports you can learn but Kind of in life, you got to pick your spots. So um, no fault to anybody who enjoys a good beer, but doesn't necessarily know how to make a good beer. Absolutely. Mike, I want to thank you so much for your time uh, and make sure that people know they can follow you on Twitter at MJC257. Now that you've got that up and running on that front. Also want to note that there were some great interviews you did late last year with friends of this show, Ed Fang on the Football Analytics Show, as well as Rob Pizzola and Johnny from BetSamp on Circles Off. So I'd highly recommend people checking out those episodes for deeper discussions involving you and also got to make sure to give Ed a special thank you for making that intro uh, from myself to you at that bash one last summer.
0: Yeah, for sure. Ed's a great guy. I can't wait to see him again.
1: Yeah, same here. I think one of the best things about this is just going to be getting together in person with so many people that we interact with virtually um, so frequently throughout the year. Uh, So on that note, we'll start getting ready for bet bash and that'll do it for part one. Of the Bet Bash bonus series here on Props and Hops, powered by dimers.com. I've got another pro better on deck for tomorrow. But for now, Mike, once again, thank you for your time and insight. I look forward to raising a glass together this weekend in Vegas. And when I land in Vegas, I will have a can of blind pig with your name on it.
0: Much appreciated. I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing you again and hanging out. And like you said, having a couple beers together.